What is up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Bent, here to introduce this rip of rabbit hole recap. Dun, 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 dun. What a week. A lot going on. Very dense, tight. Not tight, right? Two hours, 20 minutes or something like that. Dense. Definitely dense. Great conversation. Back and forth with Matt, as, as it always is, week in, week out. Very lucky to be able to do this with a good friend of mine, one of my best friends, Matt Odell, and you freaks. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you're contributing via Podcasting 2.0 app, thank you for the stats. Thank you for the value. I hope you're getting value out of this show. If you're listening and you're watching, you're listening here now, thank you. I love you freaks. We live in very interesting times. Sorry, I had a burp. I'm happy to have you freaks. This trip is brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. They're right down the hall from me. We're on 6th in Congress in Austin, Texas. The Bitcoin capital of the world now. I'm in the Bitcoin Commons. Unchained Capital's office is right behind me. And there, they are building uh, products with Bitcoiners in mind. They have collaborative custody. Collaborative custody. Collaborative. Collaborative custody. Collaborative, collaborative custody products. Collaborative custody. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, they're, they're multi-sig vaults. It's a two or three vaults where you hold two keys. Unchain holds one. You always have complete control of the sats in your vault if you have those two keys. However, if you're in a pinch, you only have one key. Unchain is there to be the second in the two or three multi-sig quorum. All this is in an effort to eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. If you have all your UTXOs on a single SIG wallet and you lose that and you lose your backup, your shit out of luck, single point of failure. If you have all your UTXOs on an exchange, they're not even your UTXOs, they're the exchanges uh, and that exchange somehow rug pulls you or the government goes to is like, hey, you can't let these people take these UTXOs. You are shit out of luck. That's a single point of failure. Eliminate single point of failures. Single points of failure. Unchain helps you do that. That vault product is a perfect Example of that, they have a Wake Love concierge service that's going to take you from zero to having a, a vault set up with a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats in it. You're going to get video conference calls. So you're going to get you comfortable. They're going to get you hardware walls. They're going to help you get those set up. And then again, you're going to dump a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats in that vault. Tell them that TFTC sent you, the fine gentleman from TFTC sent you. You're going to get $50 off that Wake Love concierge service. They have a bunch of other products as well, an IRA product. A lending product, and they have a blog, which is incredible for knowledge. So check it all out at unchained.com. This rip was also brought to you by good friends at Brains. 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 This is the team behind Slush Bowl, the oldest running mining pool in the existence of Bitcoin, the first ever. The cockroach of the mining pool industry, if you will. They're also the team behind Brains OS Plus firmware, which helps you stack more sats with your hash. If you have a mining model that is compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware and you're not running it, you are leaving sats on the table. It's as simple as that. Okay? Don't leave sats on the table. Make sure you're using Brains OS firmware. Available for all S19 models, I believe. I believe. I believe. What's mine are apparently coming soon. You got to stop saying, Ed, Ed, I know you're listening. Daniel, I, I certainly know you're listening too. Christian, if you're listening, you stop. Stop teasing us. Just fucking launch the What's Minor stuff, please. Send it. Stop teasing. 
I just want to see a delivery. I can't wait for it because I'm going to download it on, on my What's Miners once it comes. I just know that. Once it comes, do on. I'm going to stack more sass with my hash because I'm going to have more hashes because Brains OS Plus makes that possible. We also have insights.brains.com. Remember Brains with two eyes, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Insights.brains.com is going to be a place where you go to learn all about the mining industry, all the stats that you need, all the mining pool stats, all the profitability stats, all the cost of mining Bitcoin stats, all the difficulty, hash rate, hash price. That's where it is. Insights.brains.com. They're also hosting a mining conference in Prague. I'm very upset I'm not going to be able to make, but God, I'll be there in spirit. I will be there in spirit. I will not be there in person, but I will be there in spirit. That is happening in June. June 15th, 16th, that week, uh, the Bitcoin Mining Conference. I'm pretty sure that's the website. I've just been running with that the last two weeks. If it's not, just like type in brains mining. Uh, and I hope I'm not sending it to a phishing site. That's, that's all I hope. Go check it all out. Go to brains.com. I'm sure they have a link there. Brains is an incredible actor in the Bitcoin space. They're creating incredible products. I fucking love them. This one was also brought to you by good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle is here to bring you a lending product with no KYC, no AML, leverages Bitcoin's multi-sig properties as well. The way it works is if you're in a pinch, you need some liquidity and you got some Bitcoin, you don't want to sell it. You don't want to take on that tax burden. What you can do is put your Bitcoin and go to lend.hoddlehoddle.com. You, you go to the marketplace, you find a somebody who's willing to lend out stable coins at a certain interest rate that you're comfortable with. And you say, hey, I'm down to take this loan. All right, you're down to take this loan. What happens next? What do you do next? You put your Bitcoin in a two or three multi-sig escrow account where you hold one key, your counterparty in the trade holds one key, and Hoddle Hoddle holds the third key. All right, you don't have control of the Bitcoin because obviously it's collateral and you're taking on a loan in stable coins and you can't have control of the Bitcoin because then you take the stable coins and the sats and uh, like it doesn't make any sense. So you have one key, your counterparty has one key, Hoddle Hoddle has one key. What is the benefit of this? You have visibility into the multi-sig escrow account so that you know that your sats aren't being rehypothecated. And if you're paying back that stable coin loan, at the end of the day, at the end of that loan, you're going to get your sats back. You can see them. You say you're not rehypothecating these. You're not, you're not lending these out, are you? I'm definitely going to get my sats back. Yes, you have visibility. Lend.hodlehodl.com. If you want to get yield on stable coins, if you're a stable coin person, you can do that. As well, using lend.hodlehodl.com, you simply enter the other side of that marketplace. You lend your stable coins out to Bitcoiners who are looking for a bit of liquidity at that particular point in time. Okay, lend.hodlehodl.com. I think Balticoni Badger is going to be back this year as well in, in Liga, Latvia. Incredible conference. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by good friends at Bitcoin 2022. Biggest conference in the fucking world ever. Ever. going to be in South Beach, Miami. It's going to be the biggest conference ever. Okay. What are those events like? Uh, what are those events where they, they had them in Chicago beginning in the 1900s? The uh, World's Fair. World's Fair. That's what they, bigger than the World's Fair. Bitcoin 2022, the biggest conference ever. It's going to be in South Beach, Miami, April 6th to 9th. Nice first day. April 6th, if you're, uh, if you're serious, 
fucking builder in the space. You want to get connected with people in the industry. That is industry day. You show up. You network with people. You make deals. You shake hands. You kiss babies. You talk about inside. You don't, you don't, you don't share insider information. That's illegal. You just like, you get to talk to people building in the space. It's a beautiful thing. Days two and three, general conference days. Uh, going to include CEOs like Michael Saylor, Jack Mallers, President Nayib Bukele from El Salvador is going to be there. He's got a big announcement too. I think he's going to announce exactly how he's remodeling his kitchen. This is uh, it's going to be it's going to be a big design announcement. He's just going to go on stage like, "Look, I'm putting my my, my double door fridge over here. I've got marble countertops." We're going to see how he thinks from a design perspective. Day four, we got the biggest music conference in Bitcoin history. Logic's going to be there. Dead Mouse going to be there. Run the Jewels is going to be there. Neil Young and Joni Joni Smith are are. Joni Mitchell or Joni Smith? What the hell is it? I fucking forgot her name already. But apparently they're going to be up there doing duets as well. If you haven't bought your tickets yet, make sure you do so. I believe they, they go up a week from today in price, February 17th, if I remember correctly. When you do buy your tickets, use the code TFTC. You're going to get 10% off. Okay? April 6th to 9th in Miami, the biggest conference the world has ever seen. The World's Fair is going to feel like a little pussy when this conference is thrown. Bitcoin 2022. Be there. Or be square. We're going to be doing a live rabbit hole recap there too. Enjoy this episode of Rabbit Hole Recap. Love you freaks. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. Man, I'm sorry. I'm 10 minutes late. Ran into some traffic on the way back. I'm visiting a good friend from Barstool. Um, I'm sorry. No problem at not, all. You, you're getting You've got a cabana hat on. I, I feel like um, I'm preventing you from partaking in some good, good cabana lifestyle activities right now. I'm waiting out the chaos of the world in paradise. Are you literally in a cabana right now? No, this is uh, my room. Got an uh, ocean view. It's beautiful. Stay room. humble, Matt. It's a beautiful room. Ugh. I'm trying to open a beer right now. I just broke the uh, bottle opener. So, um, yeah, chaos in the world. There's no easy transition to jump into it. Obviously, we've got shit popping off in Ukraine uh, a few weeks ago. I think it was a few weeks or maybe it was two weeks ago on this podcast. I was, uh, I, I didn't, I thought all oh, this stuff was just going to be bluffing, It'd be a nothing burger. And it, that turned out to not be the case in a big way. Uh, it's pretty jarring to see all the footage coming out of Ukraine as, as Russia invades and, and takes over. And I think today, obviously, I had some tweets out there. I'm thinking about it. And uh, for me personally, trying to react to this, I think I'm deciding, like, again, like I did a couple of weeks ago, I'm not well-versed on the, the current 
politics between Ukraine, Russia, the intermingling of the West with those two particular parties. So I, I don't think I can add anything of value other than it's just war sucks. Uh, it's extremely disheartening to see what's going on right now. Yeah, I mean, it's fucking horrible is what it is. Um, I mean, Russia seems to be going all out. Yeah, yeah, I think when uh, I think people were, there was two regions earlier this week, Putin um, said he recognized two regions that, that wanted to separate from Ukraine. I figured, I thought then that if anything were to happen, it would be particularly around those those two regions but it seems like they're yeah like the Crimea playbook right where it's like okay the two regions i i guess those two regions uh from my understanding basically separated a, a while ago um and they're re- they're recognizing it the russia officially recognized it this week right and they were yeah and they were like we'll send in peacekeepers which was like that kind of it's like the crimea strategy right which is like uh a soft takeover. Um, and then everything just escalated from there. I mean, they like, they landed troops by sea at Odessa, supposedly. I guess it seems like a full on invasion, at least from what I can tell. Um, Kiev is like, Kiev's like handing out guns to, to any citizen who wants to fight in like the squares and take the city one by one. fucking heavy shit man and going Meanwhile, back to my comments last yeah go on comments last week see i mean it seems like the u.s state department here at least has been warning for a couple of weeks that uh, there's an imminent invasion for me personally yeah i was like yeah i just don't i just don't trust anything that is the intelligence community the federal government or the media um is is projecting that was my stance then because they've just been consistently wrong. They've lied throughout the years. They've lost my trust personally. And um, this is a situation where it turned out to be you know, the boy who cried wolf. And I'm sure I'm not alone in having that uh, posture towards those the media, political, military, industrial complex. Um, and, and yeah, Russia went in in full force. I'm, I'm honestly shocked. I, I never thought it would uh, would get to this. You know, I'm torn on it because, you know, I, I don't I don't know if I want U.S. troops to be there anyway. Um, but it's a fucking tragedy. And I mean, there's some big corners that think like the footage we're seeing is doctored. Do you think do you think like an invasion is actually happening? Um, again, fog of war, we're in the middle of this. I, I want to withhold myself from saying anything, um, because I get, number one, I've been away all day, hanging out with a buddy. haven't really yeah. watched like the, the videos that you and car showed me right before and on. That's the first time I'm seeing a few of them. And, um, well, I think it's fucking even, happening. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, see, I, I think I, at some point, it seems like it is. At some point, you got to use you got to use logic and just try and take as many sources as possible. Uh, but it seems it seems real. Um, I would say that uh, whether we like it or not, we're 
exiting a situation where, you know, for for almost a half a century, the U.S. was was the world police, and there was this idea of mutually assured destruction, uh, first with Russia and then with China. Um, and if we're talking about, you know, the the fall of the American Empire, shit is going to get really messy when that mutually assured destruction stops being really at play. And America has been a paper tiger for a while now. And I think it's starting to become really obvious. And Putin has always been a fucking hustler and a player. Uh, he gets shit done, not defending him. But, you know, he... Uh, observing. Making observations. Yeah, I mean, he just, get, he just gets fucking shit done and knows how to use our weaknesses against us. Um, and I really do think China's paying attention and I, you know, all eyes on Taiwan as well. Right. Like if, if they were thinking about making moves on Taiwan, which they've been thinking for a long time, I mean, they gotta be feeling emboldened right now. Meanwhile, Europe, I mean, there's this whole energy dependence, uh, energy dependence case study where Europe is like completely hostage to to Russian energy supply, right? Um, so I don't know how this shakes out, but it just seems like when I uh, I talked about the book The Mandibles that Gladstein recommended a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just keep it's just like stuck in my head. It's this idea, you know, it, it like they go through basically it's a fictional story uh, in the set in the near future of like the fall of the American empire and hyperinflation, everything, you know, Bitcoiners talk about. And in it, Russia, China and a bunch of Western powers besides the U.S. like form a currency alliance um, and the U.S. goes isolationist and we just hyperinflate. Uh, there's, there's, you know, there was an interesting thread by our boy, Miles Suter about, and it seems like it's still up in the air. They haven't been cut yet, but about, uh, kicking Russia out of the SWIFT system. And like, if, if we do that, if we go, you know, the full nine yards in terms of sanctions, which is kicking them out of SWIFT, the global financial network. It really like I just keep thinking about the mandibles. It just seems like, you know, you're just pushing them into whether that's Bitcoin or gold or yuan or rubles, you're pushing them out of the dollar hegemony. And it just feels like shit can get bad really fucking quickly. Um, not to discount, you know, people in Ukraine actually getting fucking bombed and killed right now. Um but I do think it's highly relevant to Bitcoiners around the world, those in Europe, those in America, those in Asia. Like, shit moves fast. And like you talked about us discussing it two weeks ago, like that feels like an eternity ago. And right. I, I think people really, really discount um, how quick this shit can turn and whether or not they're prepared for it. 
And can you actually be prepared for it? Probably not, but you can be more prepared than otherwise. I mean, there's lines, there's lines in Ukraine at the banks because people are trying to get money out while they flee. In hindsight, I'm sure all of them wish they did it a couple days ago or a week ago. Seems unavoidable, but some of us can hopefully avoid it. Yeah. Um, Car, I just threw something in our TFTC Telegram chat. I, I like to watch that. Like again, like bringing it back to the current situation. It's terrible. Like the, the fact that the Ukrainian people are being put in this situation is just extremely sad. And what, like, so where my head is right now, again, fog of war. Probably won't have a clear picture until weeks from now, months from now, maybe potentially years from now. But it, it seems like. It's a dick measuring contest between the U.S., other Western democracies, uh, particularly NATO countries and Russia and Ukraine is just stuck in the middle of the posturing between the U.S. hegemony and, and Russia, who wants to have some form of autonomy. And obviously, NATO countries have been pr pressuring Ukraine to join NATO, which freaks Russia out because that would allow military bases uh, with U.S. and other Western democracy soldiers stationed there, pointed with guns at Russia, which, which uh, or, you, know, you don't have to like Russia, but you can understand why that makes them uncomfortable. I'm not saying that I like Russia. Putin's a horrible dictator that that is stomping on civil liberties in his own country and now in Ukraine. But I think this prediction, this analysis prediction on Ukraine um, from John Mersheimer, uh, is is really prescient. I think it could be a good explanation of exactly what's going on now. And so this is uh, a speech he gave, part of a speech he gave six years ago at the University of Chicago. Um, if you want to hit play on that car. And we need at least, yeah, go on. I was gonna say, at least at the moment, this seems to be makes the most sense to me as to what led to this breaking point. Yeah, but I think it's easier said than done. Um, like, I don't know, like, how do you convince, how do you convince Putin that it's a neutral Ukraine? Um, 
there was there was you know, there was the um the revolution in 2014 um mm -hmm. where it flipped from a pro-russian government to a western government um and a lot of people think there was cia involvement there um but ultimately look we see putin go uh carve you go to my twitter i have a really good map there um if you if you look at Putin's strategy geopolitically, um, keep scrolling. Two more. Um, he's he's going he's going for like if this is the Russian perspective, right? And you see we have unrest in Kazakhstan, we have unrest in Georgia, we have unrest in Ukraine. Um, he's shoring up geopolitically, right? And I don't know if 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 a neutral Ukraine was ever really in, it was never really in the, was never really a possibility. Um, obviously, like if this could have been avoided, that would be ideal. Um, but I mean, he has really grand ambitions and those are, you know, Kazakhstan and Ukraine are extremely resource rich and energy rich countries. They're geopolitically fantastically located in terms of, um, Ports. you know, I like, I'm not a geopolitical expert, but I like playing Civ. Um, they're like on their flanks. Right. And then if you scroll up, we're above him, you know, we got Alaska and Canada is right above him. Like he's literally surrounded and like, he doesn't want to go into the NATO countries. So the non, cause the NATO countries, as soon as you attack a NATO country, boom, you know, war is automatically declared they all go in together. So like, I feel like it was, you know, at the end of the day, it was going to happen. He was just biding his time, waiting for the right moment. Um, and now was a great moment for them. We are weak, right? I, I don't think anyone really expected Biden to step up and do something about it. Once again, I don't know if I want him to do something about it, but uh, yeah. I think it was pretty but obvious again, that nothing was going to happen. Yeah, but going back to that, Going back to that video, it is disgusting, actually, that the U.S. and other NATO countries were openly courting and pretending like they were going to let Ukraine into NATO. And then this happens and they're nowhere. Again, I don't think that we should be engaging in the war either, but just like playing from Ukraine's trying to play through uh, Ukraine's perspective or Ukrainian diplomat or politician's perspective. It's like, all right, like we went out in the limb and postured and played tough. It's Russia telling them that we're going to, there's a likelihood that we could join NATO or we'd like to, or we're thinking about it and via pressure from you on the other side, sort of telling us to, to go and do that. And then shit hits the fan, push comes to shove and you're nowhere to be seen. I mean, Biden just came on and threw, threw on some sanctions. I saw on Twitter again, I didn't watch the clip and haven't done extensive research on the particular sanctions that were just launched but from what i can tell from the reaction on twitter they were slaps on the wrist uh many of the european nations don't want russia to be cut off of swift because like you mentioned they're they're wholly dependent on russia for their natural gas and other resources so i guess that's a good segue into like what what's actually happening now like what are the consequences of this what is at play like matt said russia controls an insane amount of natural resources that get exported not only to uh, Europe, the rest of Europe, or not the rest of Europe, but Europe, 
um, and the rest of the world. Uh, that natural gas is, is used as a fuel source. That's what many people think of first when they think of natural gas, but then they don't consider the fact that it's a very uh, integral ingredient in fertilizer, which is at the base of the food chain. You, know, you grow crops with fertilizer, you feed animals those crops, you feed humans with those crops. So there, there's many things at play here. Like the leverage has shifted all the way into Russia's favor here. Um, it, 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 but it always it, was, right? Yeah. Well, yes. And this is, I think my we point said this is, last week. is like this is, my. I guess my point is is that to me, from my perspective, Putin has never stopped being at war with us <laughs> and our interests. But America is distracted, and America is weak. And he's been playing, you know, a multi-decade game. And yeah, this is the culmination about, of that game. We're worried about our military putting the pronouns in their bio. Like it's fucking yeah. absurd. And I, <laughs> like, it's I, I just absurd. look at the at the end of the day, I think we could have a better world if we focus on building tools and supporting tools and using tools that empower individuals. And that's not just Bitcoin. That's the greater open source movement. That's things like uh, 3D guns, regular guns, uh, you know, drones and shit. Like there's a lot of things, mesh nets. There's a lot of things that empower individuals, that distribute power, distribute the ability to defend yourself, that will make the world a better place ultimately. That's my hope. But if we, if we start going down this if we start going down the thought process, if we go down and 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 do an exp- like a thinking experiment of what it looks like watching America retract from being, you know, this so-called world police and this world hegemon, like it is going to get really fucking messy before it gets better. Like it's going to be really bad, and like that's why I keep like so so Ukraine, right? They declared independence from the Soviet Union alongside a bunch of other countries at the same time. They had a massive stockpile of Soviet nukes at the time. And so they declared, I think they declared independence in the, like 1990. In 1994, they had the Budapest Accord. And the Budapest Accord was this agreement that they give up their nukes. They were the number three uh, nuclear nation in the world at that point. Now, they didn't have the keys. Supposedly, the Soviets still had the launch codes for those weapons, but they were located inside their country. They had the ability to make nukes. They had all of this industry set up around that kind of capability. They gave it up on this very loose agreement that was like the U.S. won't aggress on them, NATO won't aggress on them, and Russia won't aggress on them. But we never had like a formal treaty or any kind of, you know, strong NATO alliance or anything like that. Now, with Taiwan, we actually do have an agreement like that. The question to me becomes what happens if Taiwan, what happens if China goes after Taiwan? What happens if China goes after South Korea? Is that, do we actually think the U.S. steps in there? I mean, I'm, once again, I'm not even saying I if, I if I think the U.S. should step in. And like this becomes this domino where you just see the U.S. pull out and become isolationist. You see our currency get devalued, stop being the global reserve currency. 
And it can just spiral out of control really fucking quickly. And I don't think any of us are really, or most of us are prepared for that kind of scenario. And I feel like this is the, the tip of the iceberg in that regard. And I'm trying not to be like alarmist. I don't think we're going to like go out in an all out nuke war, but to me, this is maybe it's not the turning point. Maybe the turning point already fucking happened. But yeah, we we're in the thick of it. But we this is the first for. clear example of the turning point. And just because we're pulling out doesn't mean Putin's going to stop. It doesn't mean that China's going to stop. Right. And we're going to start to see this global political shift happening. And I, it's, it's going to get really messy for people. It's going to get really fucking messy. And I wish I had a better word to describe it. But I don't because I can't tell the fucking future. Agreed. It could get there. To shift things from doomer, alarmism, which I my mind is going there as well. And you mentioned it already. And I think we talked about it last week or the week before again. And what gives a lot of the leverage that, that Putin and Russia have over anybody looking at the situation now is like the old keys, the energy which, uh, especially natural gas, which holds the keys to, to some degree to the food supply. And so there's a lot of leverage, again, shifted to Putin. And like, what can we do? Let's think about, let's not, let's, we're def we've defined the situation and potential pass forward in a negative way. What about a positive way? You mentioned decentralization, giving tools to individuals that, that enable them to protect themselves. And you can do that on a bit more macro scale too, like decentralizing energy markets more. Like the, the European countries, the United States, um, and the UK need to develop the political will to actually take control of their natural resources, to actually extract them from the earth and use them themselves, and and take advantage of the resources. They need to stop LARPing uh, about the environment and and. and Bending the knee to Greta Thunberg and people like that, and actually take advantage of the natural resources they have on land, get some energy independence, and it significantly reduces that leverage that Putin has. Similarly, in that same vein, you were talking about China and whether or not they do things with Taiwan and South Korea. We need to build foundries and we need to distribute the foundry network across the world. You're not going to be able to do it quickly, but you got to start somewhere beginning to happen here in the United States. We've got two coming to Texas and Arizona within the next five years, which is good to see. So there are some good things happening, some silver lines, not a silver lining to the situation, um, but there there are peaks of, of light moving forward. And it's just, can we develop the political will to actually extract energy, uh, in, whether it be European nations, the UK, the United States, become energy independent, reduce that leverage and reduce the potential conflict that exists between those countries and Russia. It's just that the nature of that relationship where the European countries are forced to go to Russia with their hands open, uh, create just an inherent system that, that's going to have conflict with it. You're, you're, you essentially have one person that controls vital parts of life. And if you have the ability to create that for yourself, and yet you're depending on this country run by a dictator. Like you, you can't be shocked when 
when he uses that leverage against you. And so like, everybody across the world has got to stop being a pussy, stop catering to the hysterics on the energy side of things and develop the political will to actually extract resources uh, on your own land and use them. Because all you're doing now is LARPing, you're creating conflict, and you're still using the same amount of energy, even more. And, this, and from the same quote-unquote dirty sources, you're just importing them from other parts of the world, like Russia. Um, so I think that in and of itself would, would go a long way to, to shift the, the power structure on the international scale with decentralized energy markets and would reduce the uh, potential for conflict. And then obviously Bitcoin as an example, or Bitcoin as a tool to open up free trade by allowing anybody to access the free uh, and open network to to conduct trade that can't be shut off by NATO countries to say, no, you can't be part of SWIFT anymore. That'll also, over the long term, reduce the potential for conflict. Whether or not that happens is another question. I believe Biden, from what I saw, I saw a tweet, wasn't able to listen to the speech, but I saw a tweet saying that Biden took uh, part of his address today to, to yell at United States oil and gas companies, which is just uh, incredibly disheartening if he he, he did that. Uh, I mean, on a positive note, my understanding is that I guess France is building a bunch of nuclear plants. Yes. Um, I just wonder, like, so like if he, if, if, and it's yet to be seen how, how a Putin victory in, in Ukraine happens. If he keeps, you know, he like installs a puppet uh, leader. Supposedly a bunch of the, the troops are uh, Belarusian as well uh, from Belarus. Um, if he does a puppet leader or if he makes it Russia or whatever, um, like he makes it formally Russia, like on the map. Uh, but obviously, at that point, then his borders are going to be touching. He's going to be right on top of NATO. And to like to me, I wonder like if it's like we saw appeasement happening in World War II, right? Like that's the thing the Americans always teach us in school, right? And it's like important for me to like try and remember that like a lot of what we learned in school was propaganda. Um, but like that's what's always highlighted, right? Is that we just let the Nazis take Austria. We didn't want to start a war over it. And then they were emboldened, right? And there's like, what do you how, what do you think is in Putin's mind right now? Like he is fucking emboldened as fuck. He knows that he can do whatever the fuck he wants to do. And I yeah. just, and he's been very successful at doing those things. So I just don't know if like, Maybe for America, our policy should, you know, I, I strongly support this idea of, you know, trying to deregulate energy, produce as much as possible, export as much as possible. Um, but in a lot of ways, I wonder if it's too late in Europe. Uh, I mean, it doesn't mean they shouldn't try. But I wonder. Like, especially those like little, you have the little NATO countries, right? Like Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia. They have like a cumulative population of like 10 million people. Um, like, will we step in to defend them? You have like Norway and Sweden that are not even part of NATO. Um, they can, you know, they have, you know, a lot of respect for those people. Um, 
they won't make it easy on Russia, but I just see it getting. It, def, it definitely, I, I will say the one of the two of the bright sides here is, first of all, um, CNN, who's historically anti guns, is talking about how important it is that the Ukrainians are arming their citizens. And they reverse, you know, they like release like a new law or whatever that says that like citizens should bear arms and they're literally handing out guns. Um, and then the second thing is that energy is a national security issue. Um, but I just don't I don't think there's like a clear answer here. And I just want to be clear to the freaks. Like, I know this is a Bitcoin fucking podcast. And honestly, like, I prefer to just be on the beach and just hang out over here rather than talk about it. Um, but we can't do a rabbit hole recap and not talk about this going on right now because this is a massive fucking thing. So we're, we are trying our best. Um, probably going to be wrong about a lot of this shit. Hopefully factually be factually incorrect about actually things on the ground. But uh, there's a lot of like angles here where Bitcoin plays into it, right? Like as you see the sanction regime increase, like we've speculated on the show for many years that Putin is neck deep in Bitcoin, right? And he's the type of player that wouldn't admit it if he was. Um, so if they start using Bitcoin publicly, if they start, if Putin announces they have a massive position and they're going to start settling oil and Bitcoin, settling trade in Bitcoin, global trade in Bitcoin, like how long does it take before the U.S. government is like, starts to come at private Bitcoin usage really hard and try and regulate us harder? Like there's a lot of different implications here. Maybe that is one of the more minor ones just because I don't know if that's really what we should be speculating at this point. But like my mind is running wild on all the different paths this shit can take. And I just, it's just adding on top of the fact that I just feel like independent individual Bitcoiners are vulnerable. And we've been vulnerable for some time. Like the network is, is, is very state resistant, but a lot of us are exposed, us included. I mean, we're fucking talking about it on air. Um, but like everyone who comes in through KYC, which is like 99% of people are already on lists. Those lists are known. Like the majority of people will comply. We saw what happened in 2020. We saw what happened in 2021. Make examples of a few people. The majority comply. Like it's going to get, I, I really do think it'll get dark before it gets better. And like, you know, I'm not selling coin. I'm not fucking, I'm just enjoying the beach. Um, trying to turn off but i just it's just really disheartening and i just there's all these paths that could be really fucking bad um and i just feel like this is this is not the end it's the, it's it's in a lot of ways it's the beginning yeah we'll see how it all plays out it's fucking heavy shit chaotic shit and just control what you can control in your life. If there's any advice, don't take advice from me, but I think it's solid advice. Just control what you can control um, for yourself individually. A lot of this Yeah, stuff take care of yourself. Yeah. A lot of we're what we're discussing today is completely out of our hands. And we're sort of just forced to react and deal with it. Um, like that said, like still game theory down that too. Not only private custody of Bitcoin, but my mind first went to, all right, if 
Swift does cut off Russia, which I actually don't think is going to happen just because of how it kind of looks like it won't happen. How desperately these European countries need Russia's energy. Um, but let's play down the war pat war game. If it did, if it did, Russia sanction that come out, we're going Bitcoin, we're settling trades in Bitcoin, we're mining Bitcoin, we're using Bitcoin as a reserve asset. How do you react as the United States? Like Matt said, maybe they shut down the off ramps and you can't self custody. They throw us all in gulags. But I'm saying my mind went straight to the mining industry. I mean, I, I, that's like obviously if you've been listening to this podcast for the last year, that's been one of the biggest themes on this show over the last uh, ten months, nine months is the the emergence of the Bitcoin mining industry in in the United States, and that's where I think it will be most interesting, or it could get most interesting if it happens. And again, I don't think it's going to happen just because of how desperate Europe is, but. The U.S. government goes to North American mining pools, North American miners. They're like, if you, we find out that you're mining blocks that include transactions um, that, that the Russian government is making to do some of these trades, and um, then you're going to be sanctioned. You're going to be cut off, uh, which could be interesting. And that's we'll throw so you in the gulag. Why, yeah, and that's why I think it's very important that we really. If Bitcoin does become a uh, part of this struggle, um, and a theme in this struggle, it's imperative that we somehow get to the, the politicians and make them aware. Like, hey, like, if you shut off Bitcoin here and you let Russia go all in, like you are going to lose in the long run, like massively. It's it's. A weird I just don't needle. think politicians think long term. Like their incentives are all fucking broken, and they think short term. I know, I know. And I feel like it's very anti. It's like it's non-Bitcoiner to like be relying on politicians to do anything logically. I know. I know. So I just expect the worst and hope for the best. Very happy to be an off-grid miner right now. I can tell you that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Heavy shit. And if you want to talk about mining, like if Taiwan falls, if 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 there's if if I mean that's where most of the ASIC production's happening, right? So I mean that's where all the bitmains are coming from. That's where the bitmain chips come from, yeah. And then what's minor is South Korea, right? For the most part. Yeah. And then both are building foundries here in North America. Intel's entering the game. I believe the foundry they're using to build their A6s isn't uh, in Taiwan. Isn't one of theirs that's in Taiwan. Um, and on that note, it seems like they were flexing pretty hard. And their machines, at least the, the first or second batch, first and second batches aren't going to be comparable with Bitmains and Watts Miners. It'll be a little, a little bit more... more Efficient, but less uh, less hash producing. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Intel's talking a big game, so we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. Um, but uh, even on the ASIC side, I mean, look. At, at the end of the day, there's so much hash rate out there that if 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 new ASIC development gets delayed, you know, three years, five years, whatever, I don't know if that's the end of the world. I think the bigger issue is is Western powers decide to start going after private Bitcoin usage. Um, and start hitting us with even more. 
Like that's the thing in the mandibles is like, and I know I just keep quoting this fucking fiction book, but it's just like stuck in my fucking head because I read it. And then all this shit is happening. Um, is like the government had plenty of times, the federal government had plenty of times to make like logical decisions that would lessen the pain, but they just made constant short-sighted political decisions over and over again, just compounding it and compounding it and compounding it and making it worse. And everything in my head says, yeah, that's exactly how it would fucking play out in real life. Um, because that's historically what, what politicians do. Yeah. Fucking politicians, man. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said a couple of weeks ago, so I don't feel, I don't, don't well very. I just feel like qualified. we have to talk about it. I'm not saying, look, yeah. I don't think we're calling ourselves experts here. Um, but if we're going to do a weekly show every week for three years, yeah, I, um, like, you know, we, we should probably, you know, start educating ourselves more on geopolitics because it's going to become even more and more irrelevant to Bitcoin as Bitcoin is growing. Right. Like Bitcoin is it like people ask me like, oh, like what's going on with the Bitcoin price, this, that like Bitcoin's in the big leagues now. You know, it's not just like the lightning infighting or fucking a new feature that gets added to Bitcoin or what's the best wallet or if a fucking random, you know, if there's a random bug or something like it's on the macro landscape now. And whether we like it or not, like it's becoming increasingly relevant in that regard. And we're going to have more and more difficult conversations in that respect. Like, I, I don't think I was. I don't think I'm a specialist in Canadian politics, right? But it became very yeah. relevant to the Bitcoin story, right? And it became very relevant to Bitcoiners. So I just, you know, there's going to be a burden on us to improve our understanding and try and tell it as we see it without claiming to be experts because we're definitely not fucking experts. I mean, I don't even think I'm a Bitcoin expert, but we talk about that every week. Um, you know, so we just got to, we got to try our best, but I think ultimately like people should, you know, there's a lot of disillusioned people out there that uh, have decided that they're just going to turn off all information gathering. And I, I think that's the, you know, to each their own, but I don't know if burying your head in the sand is the strategy. I think you got to try and take information from as many sources as possible and try and understand the biases of each individual source and try and make judgment calls based on it and try and be a step ahead because um, prepare, like you can't prepare for it after the fact. Like all these people say, oh, what can we do for you now? It's too late now. Like this story was decided two years ago, five years ago, six months ago, right? Like there was all these different things that maybe could have happened, maybe couldn't have happened. And that's just going to keep happening. Uh, so the question is, try and stay a step ahead of it. And that's not going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I mean, it's funny. Um, yeah, I was, I was at Caleb's house this afternoon, and he actually had the sovereign individual out. And like, we were just talking about that. I mean, that book and the theses of the book, and like, one of the core theses of the sovereign individual is... Uh, there's the signal to noise ratio is going to be so insane. There's going to be so much noise drowning out all the signal. 
that it is imperative as an individual, uh, as a sovereign individual, to develop the facilities and the necessary filters to take in and attempt to dissect and, and again filter information to find the signal is the onus is on you yeah matt i completely agree i mean uh i, I like to fancy myself like pretty privy on geopolitics and macro you know my days back in finance because i was forced to do it uh, but obviously um a bit rusty and specifically when it comes to the inner workings of the Ukrainian Russian situation. I'm just, I'm honestly just don't feel comfortable and well versed enough to, to say anything authoritarian, authoritatively on it. But yeah, like you said, we're going to take in as much information as we can, tell you how we see it. And I said, yeah, that's how I see it right now. And I'm one of those disillusioned people, not that I turn off and look away. Shout out to the No Agenda podcast. They do an incredible job of um, collecting a bunch of different sources and trying to dissect what each is saying from their different perspectives. And that's helped immensely um, during COVID and situation in Canada and other situations. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to get heavy. Trust yourself. The only person you can trust is yourself at the end of the day. You're going to have to develop personal tools to, to filter your information moving forward. It's only going to get more chaotic. Um, and we'll, We'll be here to try to help you and let you know what we're thinking. Um, but yeah, no, but then there's that uh, talking about what I'm thinking, like what I've been thinking all day. There's just like something in the back of my mind. It's like, all right, like you can't trust anything that's being said about this. Like you mentioned, like the videos, it's a shame because like you want to believe them, but it's like you've just been, we've been lied to consistently and so many times about. Yeah, so the deep fakes things. are going to get even worse. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's a shame. And again, I tweeted out this morning. It's like the media, political intelligence apparatus is the blue cried wolf. Like you can't believe them at this point. They've cried wolf so many times. I'm like, ah, I don't, I just don't trust anything you say. And that's a goddamn shame. Um, but it's a reality for a lot of people. Um, but I mean, so. it's not even just them, right? Like on social media, like you don't, I don't. No, oh, yeah. Social media has enabled this thing where, I mean, we talked about it last week, obviously on lighter notes, right? But just like breaking tweets with like bullshit news that is like changed around to make it seem better or worse than it really is without a source link. Like those are the ones that get the engagement. And we haven't even seen like, yeah, we have Photoshop, but like we haven't even seen widespread video deep fakes or audio deep fakes yet. Um, I mean, there's going to be whole podcasts where, you know, whether it's a Joe Rogan episode or no agenda episode or rabbit hole recap, where it's just completely made up, where it's just they're taking. I mean, I, I've, I've we've a talked GBT about this in, the past. in audio form. Yeah. Yeah. Like podcasting is the easiest one to do deep fakes because they just have what do they have? Like 350 hours of me and you shooting the shit, saying every single word possible. Yeah. Me trying to say every word possible. <laughs> <laughs> the deep fake is going to be so good. We're even going to be mispronouncing things. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you know the deep fake's that good when the, the deep fake Marty is mispronouncing the, the correct words. Uh, I have a positive yeah. pivot. I have a positive pivot. Let's have a positive pivot. Marty was on fucking Fox News with Tucker Carlson <laughs> barefoot in a fucking studio <laughs> van outside of his family's vacation Airbnb. Uh, right, right. that's pretty fucking awesome. Congrats, brother. 
Thank you. Thank you. That was a surreal moment. Um, yeah, it was surreal. Uh, yeah, neighbor in the background. Say what's up, freaks. Give us some uh, insider insider baseball. Like I, I know you were shitting bricks. Yeah, so yeah, I was extremely nervous. But back up even more. So I, I've been in contact with one of Tucker's producers for uh, a few months now. She's uh, obviously you've seen. Uh, he's at Sailor on. He's been talking about Bitcoin more in a lot of his uh, a lot of the segments, and so he's been trying to get smart on Bitcoin. And so one of his producers will text me every once in a while asking to clarify certain things about what's going on in Bitcoin, technical aspects of Bitcoin. That's what happened last Friday morning. I got a text from her, um, uh, particularly about the situation in Canada uh, and whether or not Trudeau and company could actually freeze Bitcoin accounts. I walked her through the nuance of not your keys, not your coins. Um, yes, they can certainly freeze exchange accounts, blah, 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 blah. And she asked me to go on. I was like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, I'm on vacation in Florida. They're like, oh, we got this figured out. Like, we'll uh, we'll bring a roving studio to you. Um, and so that happened on Friday night. It was crazy. It was my father-in-law's birthday. So fucking awesome. We were having a, it was great. The uh, I'm really happy that I was surrounded by family uh, right before it. It was my father-in-law's birthday. Literally, right before I walked out to get in the van, uh, we might. My son, my niece and nephew were having a dance party. We just blown out birthday candles. So the family vibes are high. Walked out, did the thing. I uh, was not expecting him to ask me the specific questions that he did. Um, but yeah, I thought I was going to puke on myself the whole time that it was going on. And, uh, I hope I did you right. You killed it. That's all you I honestly, You honestly fucking killed it. Thank you, You did sir. really. And uh, you held the line when you said Tales from the Crypto. You didn't, you didn't <laughs> flinch. If you look at if you look closely at the video, there's a bit of a delay, um, but I, I make like a little smirk where I'm like, ah, you fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think you did a really. I think you did a really good job. I was. I Thanks. so me and me and my lady were, we we were sitting there, uh, watching Tucker Carlson because Marty gave me the heads up. Um, Marty Marty like texted me like a couple hours ahead of time. He's like, dude, I'm fucking freaking out. I'm going on Tucker. Um, <laughs> So we like sit down, turn on Tucker. Now I don't watch Tucker. So like this was my first time, like really like I've seen clips, obviously. And, you know, Dispatch always has clips in the beginning of every episode. So uh, and Tucker's been talking about Bitcoin a lot. So like I've used a lot of his clips, but I've never actually watched a full episode. And uh, we're actually we were so excited. We started at 10 minutes early and whoever that guy but had him waters or whatever. It's just like fucking, I, I like, it was very infuriating, but anyway, then we get to Tucker and I'm like, it's definitely going to be, he's going to be right away. This is like the most important story. He like leads with it. And then he's like, nope, we're just going to talk about AOC. So then I watched like 15 minutes of the AOC. I was like, they better not have fucking bumped Marty. And then it came on and we just were so fucking excited. So, uh, (laughs) cheers to you, brother. It's, uh, big leagues, big leagues now. Uh, well, thank you for, I mean, you mentioned I was texting you all day. You gave me advice, help me prep. Then your lady friend, uh, her kind words after her excitement. I love you guys. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the support. And yeah, I mean, again, like I don't watch Tucker either. I, mean, I do. I've seen segments and have shared them on Twitter clips, but I never sit down and watch. And I, I was in the van for 10 or 15 minutes before 
um, we went live and yeah, I was watching it too. I was like, oh my God, how people sit through all this, but, and, and it's the most watched show, right? Out of all yeah. news, out of all mainstream news, the most watched mainstream, mainstream yeah. Uh, news show. Yeah, I think so. Um, and yeah, there's that format. Uh, and I respect Tucker. I don't agree with everything he says. Um, and it, but like that format, it's like, well, it's just like, boom, boom, boom. It's really condensed. And that was like the crazy, that, and that was like mentally going in. It was just like what I was thinking. It was like, cause I can have long winded answers. It was funny that morning we did the, uh, yeah, you did great with did, that. We did the Baruch college thing. Um, and that was before I knew I was going to be doing this, but even though like, thank you for saying I did great on that, but there was times during that Matt and I, uh, do a, a class with Charles Wong, who's a, a MBA professor at Baruch college. Um, and we have been doing it since like 2018, once a semester. Well, so this class explain Bitcoin, have a Q and a, and like part of the explanation part, I'm just like finished doing an explanation. I was like, I just spoke for way too long. Yeah. Um, and you're like, hear me, like you hear me in the background. I'm like, Marty, like, let me get, let me get in here. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah. what did you say? You're like, Matt, I heard you sigh. What do you want to say? Yeah, I, like yeah. I, I even said that to you before you went out. I was like, be concise, like keep it fucking clean, like don't fucking wind on. And you did it, man. You fucking killed it. Like I, you. you didn't do that. You kept it nice and concise, right to the point, exactly what needed to be said. I was, I honestly was, I was truly proud. You fucking killed it. But going back to the Baruch thing, this week has just been so crazy that I didn't even, you know, that's how we started our week. Um, or like that was the day after rabbit hole. It was Friday. That, that is like one of the most rewarding experiences ever, you know, just being it. with all those young kids and talking Bitcoin. And there was like one Ethereum in the crowd who was telling us it was going to flip. And we told him to have fun staying poor. Like it's just a really, it's a really special experience. Yeah. That's, shout out to Charles. Shout, yeah, exactly. Shout out to Charles. I, I hope those students realize how lucky they are to have a professor like Charles that's willing to give them like it's a technically like a blockchain class and he they they get like an actual thorough introduction to to bitcoin its importance uh the monetary theory behind the technical aspects of it the political uh implications of the network the energy usage are, yeah all that stuff we like conquered a lot of the energy usage fud proof of stake versus proof of work yeah the youth, the youth will be all right. I mean, that's another, that's another uh, silver lining here. We got, we got the youth, um, and they are getting interested. And like, maybe this situation in Ukraine will be radicalizing, not like intense, like violently radicalizing, but like the great financial crisis radicalized me. The, the war in Iraq radicalized me to a degree. Um, maybe something was, like this. Yeah. I will well, say, if you want me to just go back to my doomerness, um, <laughs> that was enough optimism for, for today. Uh, you know, my wife, she went to, she went to visit, um, she went to visit her mother, uh, and she was with a bunch of, you know, non-Bitcoiners, friends and family, uh, that like came to visit them both because she was in town. They had no idea the Canadian protests were happening. They had no idea that their bank accounts were getting frozen. They had no idea that their insurance was being taken away. Um, 
And they're all like relatively intelligent people who, you know, watch the news and are, are in the loop or whatever. And they just had no fucking idea. So I think, you know, it's important for us to realize that, that we do live in our own little bubble sometimes. And, um, I like to think that the Canada shit, I mean, recently, what, like Trudeau, like couldn't get it past the Senate. So he pulled back the bank freezes. Um, Hey, completely but like, the emergency act, right? Most people probably didn't even know it happened. And mm-hmm. of those that did, most of them are going to forget it in fucking six months. Uh, and maybe I'm just being a fucking grumpy old man, but like, I just feel like that's the reality of the situation. And it's important for us to realize that reality. Yeah. I mean, this harpens back to two things. And I wanted to mention this earlier uh, on the Tucker, talking about Tucker. Like, that's why, regardless of the politics of Fox News as a, as a network or Tucker Carlson, personally, like the facts, the, the ability and the opportunity to get the message of private key uh, ownership and control, individual control over private keys, too that many people and people are like, why would you go on that show? It's like, number one, I agree with Tucker a lot, but number two, like you have an opportunity to educate that many people at once about holding Bitcoin private keys. You have to take it um, regardless of who it is. Number one uh, watch news show in the country. Yeah. And then. And you shield them blue wallet and green wallet. Marty, moon <laughs> with two U's. Well, that's like, so that's what I was like on the go. I was like, all right, what wallets is like colors that are that are good um it's easy to remember samurai wallet i know that's i I knew that's exactly (laughs) what happened you just like went right through the colors yeah it was like yeah how do we make this easy get them in to the color wallets and then if they want to go to uh to more advanced wallets they can do so from there um and then the other thing too like to your point like there we do live in a bubble but if you're part of this bubble Congratulations! Uh, you're part. You're one of the individuals who we believe uh, is is finding good filters and getting good information because we've been covering this stuff for quite some time. Uh, we like to think that uh, we're making it so that you're not oblivious to. And it's not only us. If you're here, you're here because you're seeing similar information that we are. We're coming here to congregate to talk about it. But some people wander in here um, and, and welcome. You're, you're, Blockstream also has another colored wallet, Aqua Wallet. Aqua. And then I, I thought you were gonna say red wallet too. Blue, green, red. I I wonder like if there's a bunch there was like a bunch of pre-coiners out there that were just like Bitcoiners are just obsessed with colors. Like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> uh yeah. Fuck man. No, but you killed it. You really did. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine it going much better than than how it went, besides the Tales <laughs> from the Crypto thing, but that was out of your control. Yeah. And uh, except yeah. for naming the show Tales from the Crypto to begin with. No, I, I did, we all know. I didn't even name it. Um, true, true, true. Fair enough. Shout out to Lewis. Um, but speaking of like, hey, back to like Canada, and like the fact that uh, your wife's family and friends were completely oblivious. But it's just like hilarious how number one, it's got completely swept under the rug, understandably, the last two days. But then number two, like how juvenile. Uh, Trudeau's reaction to the trucker convoy is in relation to <laughs> what's going on over in, in Ukraine right now. It's like um, you know, the, the, the relative gravity be, of yeah. 
and reaction of the situations is just interesting to look at. To be clear, it wasn't her. It was like it was like our friends. Uh, it was it was our it was like our it was peers. It was younger. Like I, I have okay. a feeling her parents uh, know about it because it was covered pretty heavily on Fox. But yeah. it was like people our age um, that just they had no idea. And it was it, that's crazy to me that they just had no fucking idea that it happened. Go shake, go shake somebody and tell them to. You know, listen they were to too busy Charlie. watching MSNBC to realize. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's take. We didn't get the Clark's dashboard. Should we do that mid rip? Um, or would you rather just get a shout outs? We don't need Clark's dashboard. The Bitcoin price is down a lot. Whirlpool volumes up. Blocks keep ticking in. Mempools close to ten thousand. And we'll just say the block height for posterity's sake, 724,794. Um, all right. And we'll get the shout-outs. I want you to get to the festivities. I don't want to hold you here too long. Hi, Marty and Matt. Thank you for the warm welcome last week. I shared the rip with the whole task force, and some of the guys expressed interest in attending several conferences this year. So thanks for the discount codes. Those will help stretch our budget further as we infiltrate, or I mean, live it up in Miami. Anyway, your former agent is off to bigger and better things investigating Ghislaine Maxwell's tragic suicide, and I'm excited to surveil you and the freaks for years to come. Very respectfully, your new FBI agent. Thanks for the sats, dude. Welcome. Are you are you, uh, you in any intelligence operations going on around the world right now? Did you pay with lightning or on chain? Uh, he sent it on the 19th, and he paid with lightning. On the cutting edge. Definitely not a spook. Caught you. (laughs) Maybe this one is because this is an on-chain payment. Hi, Marty. Hi, Hi, Matt. How are you? In the spirit of the challenge last week to increase the number of shout-outs, I'm diving in first. Shout-out to both of you. I've learned a lot from your show, from this show. For instance, whenever I see Klaus Schwab's name come up, more and more recently, thank goodness, I always think of Uncle Marty in his tinfoil hat. Second, privacy. Dude's got to fix the notepad. Second, privacy. Due to Matt's incessant and impassioned encouragements to understand privacy in the digital age, I'd like to think I've learned a thing or two on that wave. Third and finally, I'd like to make a shout out, shout out the, the Join Market Web UI build. I'm really excited about that process and I've been following along there. Though I'm not contributing in a developer sense, I'm very excited to watch it progress and will be excited to try it when it rolls out on Umbrella. I'd encourage anyone to throw a couple sats at that bounty and jump into that when it launches. Anyhow, keep on keeping on, Marty and Matt. Appreciate y'all. Cheers. 80085. Cheers, Freak. Appreciate the support. Also very excited about the Jordan Market Web UI. It should be dope. Shout out to you. 80085. That's boobs. That's boobs. Gotcha. That's boobs. That's boobs. <laughs> That's that's boobs. Cars cars gonna kick out of that one. Cars uh, laughing hysterically <laughs> right now. Um, we have it on the list here. Wasabi demixing is this in relation to the Bitfinex uh, situation? No, it's the Dow hacker. Laura Shin is showing oh. her new book by the horrible oh, yeah. name, The Cryptopians. Um, but in it, they talk about who they think the Dow hacker is, which was the former found their. They're alleging that it's the former founder of 10X. You remember that shitty ICO? Yep, yep. Um, 
And, you know, he made a lot of mistakes. But one of the things she mentioned was that chain analysis, you know, has been advertising for, I think, over a year now that they have this Wasabi demixing tool. Um, so, like, this hit the... This hit the newswire. Uh, when did this hit? When did this land? I can't see uh, it. There's a lot of sunlight here. February 22nd. So February 22nd. Um, everyone started tagging me. I was like, I just don't want to deal with it. Um, if, 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 if you're a user of Wasabi, you should go listen to SillDispatch.com slash CD15. Episode 15 of Sill Dispatch. Uh, I had no power on and open arms, and we talked about a lot of the concerns I had over Wasabi. Um, we tried to do that as unbiased as possible. That's why I had open arms on. Um, I, I think it was, you know, I think it could be a very helpful conversation to people. None of those concerns were ever dealt with. Um, what was really unfortunate is that instead, when I... I was one of the most prolific. I think the first one submitted. I was one of the most prolific shills of Wasabi. Um, we had Wasabi I Wednesdays. I had spent Wasabi a Wednesdays. shit ton of money myself. I spent so many sats on Wasabi. Um, I brought in a ton of users to Wasabi. I voiced some concerns. I originally did it through back channels. They they were just completely ignored. I started to talk about it more publicly. Completely ignored. Gaslit. Personally attacked. Um, now we're on the verge of Wasabi 2.0 coming out. Uh, and Wasabi 2.0, coincidentally enough, attempts to fix a bunch of the issues and concerns that we had with Wasabi 1.0, but they never admitted that they were actually issues. They just pretended like we're crazy people. Um, a bee just flew into my drink. Um, so anyway, in this particular instance, it seems like so the samurai guys, which I'm well aware they're not, they're, they're very biased, um, but all the data is on the blockchain. Uh, they used some of the address data that was, that Laura Shin, like in her book, like put the beginning, the beginning letters and numbers of the addresses in the book. And they like went back and checked and they found the addresses. Um, and in this particular case, they actually have a video on YouTube where they show how it was tracked. And what happened was a premix address was reused with the postmix address and then sent to Poloniex. And then from Poloniex, it was connected to KYC information. And the guy actually withdrew to, I mean, this is, part doesn't even really matter, but he withdrew to a fucking grin address. Remember that fucking privacy yeah. shit coin? The and biggest VC it, pump and dump. <laughs> and the way they, the one of the ways that you could send to an address at the time was like to an IP address or like to a domain name, and it was the same. It was like his actual name, and it was like he uses a Lightning node for it as well. Um, so KYC information with the KYC exchange, the deposit address was linked to the postmix address because it was a reused address, and then as a result, uh, it got demixed. Now. Wasabi says that they think he was using two clients. So like he was running it simultaneously, which they say not to do. Um, but, you know, join market is a, uh, is like a, is a proper, not centralized, 
protocol, right? So you don't have a centralized coordinator. Um, you have a marketplace, makers right. and takers. Where 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 the taker is the coordinator of the transaction, right? Um, they're the ones that construct the transaction. They're the ones that have the better privacy because uh, the maker the maker's getting paid for it. Now, um, with Wasabi and Samurai, they use a centralized coordinator. And what does that mean when you use a centralized coordinator? You're taking a different trade-off balance. First of all, uh, you're not protected from a civil attack from the centralized coordinator. So a civil attack is when an attacker floods rounds, floods coin join with their own UTXOs to try and figure out what's going on. So the main trade-off is you're not protected from that centralized coordinator because the main civil resistance is that you're paying these coin join fees and you're paying the coin join fees to the coordinator. So the coordinator doesn't have to pay fees because they're paying themselves. So you're not protected from them. And then the second thing is it's someone you can pressure, right? So if we're talking about a situation like we're talking right now, we're like Putin adopts Bitcoin and they go after private Bitcoin usage. They might squeeze Samurai and Wasabi. Um, Samurai tends to say fuck the man a lot. Uh, Wasabi's like has like very strict terms of service that are like you can't use it for anything illegal. So like, by the way, like technically, according to Wasabi's terms of service, like the Canadian truckers couldn't use it. But or or the Dow hacker. Um, that's mostly just them covering their ass. But it's just an interesting thing to keep in mind. So the, the main two trade offs with the centralized coordinator is uh, you don't have protection from the coordinator itself in terms of civil resistance. And it's a person that are, uh, it's a person or company that a regulator can squeeze, right? And and try and stop them from being in business. And in that situation, then all we have left is join market, and join market takes you know the cake in that regard. Now the benefit on that trade-off model is you have ease, you have better UX, you have like a you have a company that's making a profit that can like build out software for it that it makes it easier to use. You have um, just just, just in general, the user experience can be a lot better. Um, and also one of the benefits is that the coordinator itself can enforce best practices. So in this situation, the coordinator itself can make sure that an address that is a postmix address has never been used before and never been seen on the premix side. And the Wasabi coordinator does not do that. It does not enforce does not stop systemic address reuse, period. It could, but it doesn't. And in this situation, this person was either, it's no way, there's no way for us to tell without asking him. He was either running two clients or a single client malfunctioned, but an address on the post-mix side was the same as an address on the pre-mix side that was unmixed. And as a result, chain analysis saw that then connected to the Poloniex deposit address because he sent from that address thinking it was post-mix to a KYC exchange, checked checked his KYC data, boom, done. Demixed. Is there going to be legal action they subjected to? I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because like he hasn't actually been charged with anything and denies it. Um, well, But it's all the, but- the, all the data is there on the blockchain in terms of this output being deposited into Poloniex, obviously we can't see KYC information. Um, Laura's, you know, Laura Shin said she got the information some other way. I'm not sure exactly how she got it, but um, 
but but he hasn't been charged with anything yet. Yeah, well, I mean, so for any of you freaks who are listening to this, you're like, what the hell? Who's the Dow hacker? How do we get here? Oh, yeah, who's the Dow hacker? 2015. Was it 2015 or 16? I think it was 15. It was 2016. 16. 2016. Ethereum uh, had launched and, and it, it, it was like literally, was it the first ICO on Ethereum? I mean, Ethereum itself was an ICO, but I think uh, like at that it was point one of the, in time. If anything, it was one of the first. Yeah, it was one of the, like the first ICOs on top of Ethereum, a, a coin offering by a company called Slocket. Uh, so <laughs> S-L-O-C-K dot it. And their product was uh, bike locks and like locks. They wanted to use the blockchain to unlock uh, bike locks. And they, they raised a, a large ICO to bring this product to market. It was called the DAO. <laughs> and I forget how much they raised. They raised millions of dollars um, via the smart contract. And it wound up getting completely drained by a It was hacker. supposed to be like an independent... No, it was like... It wasn't just the bike locks, right? It was supposed to be like a venture firm on the blockchain, right? Like it was supposed to invest in other uh, things. Yes, yes. The Slocket team launched the ICO. It was like an ICO to invest in other ICOs. Yes, called the DAO. Uh, Steven the Tool Tool is the man behind it. It was endorsed by Vitalik, by Vlad Zamfir. Yeah, All, the Woods, believe, All the top dogs. All the top dogs. At, uh, at Ethereum Foundation. The future from finance. From the founder side of things. Yes. And so smart contract, the, the DAO hacker noticed that there was an execution that can be made within the smart contract that would drain the funds to an address of the, the person who executed that hack's choice. He decided to drain the contract of all the funds. And this is well, a very important part of Ethereum's history. It led, uh, at, the point, at that point in time, there was a significant amount of ether that was in this contract and had been drained by the Tal hacker. And so uh, the Ethereum community got together and they basically forced a hard fork of the network that voided the Tal hackers uh, uh, winnings from, from executing the contract. And, and that's what led to uh, Ethereum Classic, which is the original Ethereum chain with the DAO hackers uh, hack intact, um, and then uh, the Ethereum that we know today uh, that is still trying to transition to proof of stake, blah, 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 blah. And so like, the question is, can there be legal action waged against him? Because he simply, the way these smart contracts are supposed to, to work, right? they're supposed to replace literal contract law. You, code is law, so they, they have... They, at least Ethereum marketed as like the code within the smart contract is the law on this network. And technically, the code allowed the DAO hacker to do this and made it possible. It was the law of that particular smart contract that made that possible. So technically, he didn't do anything wrong. He did something that was uh, possible by the nature of the, of the law within that smart contract. So it will be interesting to see. Yeah, Even, but I, I mean, he definitely didn't pay income tax on it. Well, yeah, I mean, so that's what they'll get. Him for. They won't get him. For, they won't get him they'll for probably it. just hit him with. They'll probably hit him with money laundering. But they won't. If get him anything, for yeah, this was uh it was the future also, finance. Also, it wasn't you know it 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 was a significant amount of Ethereum, but because they forked him out, right? It was. 
I think what like I think Laura said it was like eleven million dollars worth of ETC. Yeah, yeah. At like current day valuation, even I think like not right or maybe at the time I don't know. At the time, it would have been. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was probably at time. Most people probably don't know about the Dow hack. I forget sure. about that. Of course. Yeah. I mean, the Dow hack was a perfect. It was. It's the decentralization case study, right? Because, um, you know, that's where the meme came from where Vitalik was like, guys, can you stop trading? And like he told all the exchange holders to stop no, trading. And then he didn't, he didn't ask them to stop trading. The, the, the verbatim uh, chat that he had with the, the exchange operators was, okay, guys, you can stop trading now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I look, I, I don't think the code is law thing actually like you think all these smart contract there's been bigger smart contract acts, at least in terms of USD value since then. Um I think they're all gonna get they can all get hit with like theft and hacking and whatnot. Like the code is law is just marketing bullshit. But I don't know. It'd be interesting to see it get defended in court. Uh it's interesting that it hasn't been charged with something, but Laura Shin decided to put it in yep. her book. Um it is clear that uh, Wasabi was one of his weak points here, if not the weak point. And, uh, oh, it's also worth mentioning that Laura Shin thinks that not owning any Bitcoin or Ethereum makes her unbiased, but uh, it's been a very expensive uh, virtue signal. She doesn't own any yet? No, she like intentionally doesn't own any. Did you see Nathaniel Popper come out recently? Yeah. I've been telling him that he's been biased for not owning any Bitcoin because of, uh, like, he became a salty no corner because New York Times wouldn't let him. And then, of course, uh, as soon as he leaves the New York Times, he's, like, super excited he actually gets to play with this shit. And he, and he goes straight into NFTs. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fine. He can have fun staying. For um, oh, I had something to say what I was going to say. Uh, this bee oh, drowned yeah. in my alcohol. Uh, rest in peace, bee. R.I.P. I hope you had a definitely died dumb. Um, the yeah, so the smart contract is a lot like Matt said. These will get hacked, and, and just to tie this in the Bitcoin, this is the trade-off Bitcoin makes by having that expressive smart contract language. Ethereum and other chains have chosen to increase the, the potential attack service of their networks, which is what these. Uh, complicated smart contract platforms allow you to do having having a language like Solidity or whatever they're calling it now uh, to to make complicated smart contracts increases the, increases the attack service and that's um, that's a trade off that Bitcoin has made saying hey we're not going to open up the the scripting to to that ability to to because we want to keep the attack service slow um, Bitcoin gets Bitcoin oh, gets sorry. called dumb Bitcoin gets called dumb for that in MySpace and ancient, but it's a, it's a design, a deliberate design trade-off that's been made. What are you drinking? Uh, since Ronan Miner asked, um, I was previously drinking Mezcal in a glass with ice, a slice of grapefruit, a slice of lime, a slice of jalapeno, grapefruit Ooh. juice, and pineapple juice. But now I'm drinking a mojito because my lady brought me one. And she brought me a water too. Hey, Got to be responsible. Got to mix in the water every once in a while. Um, 
You don't have it on the list, but we should probably talk about it, especially because we should send our boy Gleb some love. Uh, Gleb is the oh, yeah. Um Gleb, Nomenko, and Antoine Riard, who have both been on this podcast uh, and are prolific young developers in the Bitcoin space uh, who focus on lightning, security, the PDP network. They came out with an idea called CoinPool. It was almost two years ago, June of 2020, was when they dropped the blog post oh. with, with a... Um, with a rough sketch of their idea for this concept called coin pool, which would be uh, a second layer solution that that would allow multiple individuals to have partial ownership of one UTXO, which would uh, enable, which if it ever gets brought to market would enable. It requires uh, a soft fork, right? I think it requires multiple. We'll get to that nuance, but the, the idea is like multiple people, can own partial shares of one UTXO. That would be great for scalability. Um, you, you, like I've discussed on this podcast before, you, it's going to be impossible for every human on earth to own an individual uh, UTXO. The, the data, the amount of data it would take for that to happen to, would simply make the, the chain state so large that no individual would be able to, to run a node um, uh, at a reasonable rate. Uh, so fast forward to... This week, earlier this week, they they hit the Bitcoin dev mailing list and announced they uh, wrote an official white paper and what's a discussion around their proposal to begin. It is dependent on three opcodes. I forget exactly what they're called. Uh, one has to do with Merkle roots. One has to do with like Jigs ch- signature checking. And I forget the third one. However, like Matt mentioned, um, it is going to require a soft fork or multiple soft forks, depending on uh, whether or not these opcodes get activated. You do it all in one soft fork, which is probably uh, uh, advantageous and preferred, but who's to say that it doesn't get broken up into to multiple soft forks if it even gets past the um, idea stage and um, is accepted by node operators as something worth soft forking for. Um, but it, it would be cool. What are your thoughts? Um, at first, I thought you were talking about the fact that Gleb said that he's in Kiev and he posted a link to give Bitcoin donations to Ukrainians. Um, we'll link to that. So my heart's with him on that. Um, I don't know. It seems like a cool proposal. I don't know if it'll ever get implemented uh, because of the soft forks required. Um, but I like privacy scalability stuff. I uh, didn't, you know look at it too hard so i can't really say much more than that but it yeah. seems like a cool concept um, yeah. it seems like it could be used with lightning or in a repl- as a replacement for lightning um yeah yeah they mark it as complimentary i actually read the white paper first white paper read in a while it's interesting uh yeah the soft work thing is like all right that's a big hurdle to get over and then number two another thing <clears throat> and it, it requires a lot of interaction with the individuals within the coin pool. Like if somebody wants to get out. Yeah, I didn't like fully understand all the ramifications of that. But like I said, I didn't really look into it that hard. Um, but there's like all these different, there's got to be all these different edge cases there. And like, I wonder, I feel like that, that kind of thing, like 
papers are good, but like I don't really, un- I won't really understand it unless it's actually something I can fuck around with and like see it in practice. Like I, I work better with seeing shit in practice. Um, that also reminds me, first of all, apologies to the freaks and Marty, uh, because I am on vacation. We literally did not make a list for this episode. Uh, Marty was 10 minutes late. So me and Carr wrote like four things down and we were just like, we will riff, riff off of these things. Um, which I don't think has ever happened in the three years plus of rabbit hole recap where there just was no, no real list. Um, and then the second thing is, uh, the lead dev lead maintainer of simple Bitcoin wallet, which we've talked about on this show. I've had him on dispatch. Simple Bitcoin wallet is a mobile wallet, mobile lightning wallet that you can use in a non-custodial way, or you can use in a custodial way with hosted channels. Um, he said, he tweeted out kind of insinuating that he, he lives in Ukraine. he, he tweeted out that you need to take if you if you're using one of his hosted channels on simple bitcoin wallet and it's a custodial wallet you need to that that custodial portion of the wallet you need to remove your funds um so just shout out to the simple bitcoin wallet users there if you are using a hosted channel with simple bitcoin wallet make sure you remove your funds asap it seemed dire yes uh that warning went out this morning that's yeah that's all we could say the team is making users aware if you're using that hosted channel get your get your sats out of there um very admirable of them to to get that warning out there uh last two things we have on the list uh our boy paul miller has this uh this is okay so so you're okay so your bank account got frozen starter pack this is really good really simple um uh page that, that explains what you can do to onboard yourself on the Bitcoin in a rather quick fashion if you have been kicked uh, off the, the Canadian banking system or, or frozen out of the Canadian banking system uh, due to the actions of Trudeau and um, the people in the federal government there. Um, very simple um, to, and easy to follow guide. Shout out to Paul. Bankaccountfrozen.com. Bankaccountfrozen.com. And like he got a lot of, he got some shit about this uh, on Bitcoin Twitter. Look, guys, like at the end of the day, like there's so many nuances with using Bitcoin. If you're going to make a simple guide, you're going to have to just pick and choose how you want to do it. You know, like there's not going to be, there's no such thing as like a perfect simple guide. And I think he did like a pretty good job. He used Moon in this situation. Um, with two U's, I think he did a really good job. I'm sorry, I was just saying we all know you love Moon. Oh, I def. uh, Wait, I like Moon. Um, (laughs) I uh, yeah. I mean, look, that just reminds me. You know, like people are like, okay, so Moon uses this two of two setup, right? Um, where like it, it acts as like a quasi lightning wallet where you can send and receive lightning, but really it's an on-chain wallet that just swaps out and to and from lightning. Uh, so all your funds are held on chain and it is a two of two. So if moon disappears, 
they have this open source tool where you have to use your recovery kit to restore your funds. And like people were saying like, Oh, like, um, that's worse than a seed, which I, yeah, in a lot of ways it is worse than a seed, but lightning wallets, you can't use a seed with moon. You can. And then also like to all the engagement counts, that keep saying like Bitcoin can't be banned. Like, yeah, Bitcoin can't be banned, but like, Bitcoin apps can removed from the fucking app store and like 99% of Bitcoin users would be freaking shits if their their app got removed from the app store. So like be a little humble. <laughs> like there's I don't know, like there's like little things. Like can the government ban Bitcoin? No. But like they can fuck us up. They can like seriously fuck us up, especially mainstream users. Um and uh, I just, I don't know. A lot of people on Bitcoin Twitter could just, and myself included, could be more humble. Wow, man. Who ends every episode with stay humble? Stacks that saying that he needs to stay humble. You heard it here Reminding first. Reeks. myself. But yeah, there's so much nuance to it, too. Like, yeah, not to bring this back to the Tucker thing. But yeah, there was people in my DMs like, you should have done this, you should have done that. It's like, all right, I've got two minutes. Like, how can I make it as simple as possible? To, to get people moving in the right direction. I think the um, uh, frozen bank account, frozen account or frozen bank account.com? Bank account frozen.com. Bank account frozen.com is doing something similar. And I think it would be effective as well. So that two or two a moon, similar to Green Wallet, right? That's, is it like when you do the recovery, do they have? I don't know. Out? I don't know how Green Wallet works, to be honest. Don't they have a timeout period? Like if they don't sign after X I, like time? I don't know how it works. I'm not gonna vouch for it in any way. Um they used to there used to be like a timeout thing where yeah. like uh there was like an end lock time, but I, I don't I think they removed that. I don't know. I haven't used it in a long fucking time. Um to be fair, I mean I mean, I, I'm sure you got like a lot of people like in your DMs and stuff like you should have done this. You should have done that. Um, I was not one of them. I was like, Marty, you fucking killed it. So. Thank you. Thank you. Um, speaking of fighting and nitpicking, lightning implementation war seemed to be heating up. Oh, my God. So, Do you see this? I Messy saw, as fuck. Well, I saw what, what is it? I, I, again, I've been on this vacation, been loosely following things on Twitter. I did see Rusty and Elizabeth going back and forth a bit. Does it have to do with like advertisements? I'm assuming, just assuming no. it has to do with like lightning pool and shit like that. Alex, right. Alex Bosworth of Boscore fame of lightning labs, uh, responded to a question about bolt 12 and basically insinuated that the bolt process is, uh, bullshit because the bold process says that if two two of the implementations um go ahead with it or a majority of the implementations go ahead with it then it becomes spec and that all everyone else should follow but lnd is the majority of the network so uh it's a waste of time and and lnd should just focus on lnd things more or less i paraphrase a little bit people are going to get mad at me um that's that's my basic understanding of what happened. Um, naturally, uh, Rusty from Blockstream and Sea Lightning was pissed off about it. Async was pissed off about it. Uh, it seems like some damage control is being done on the Lightning side. You know, Alex doesn't speak for the company. It was his individual opinion. He wasn't saying that. He was saying um, 
that he's focused on more important things like stability and security. Um, but to anyone who's been watching, like this is something that has been simmering and festering for a while. Um, you know, Lightning has the at Lightning Twitter name. They're called Lightning Labs. Um, their WEF page that they say they're not a part of uh, says that they're basically the Lightning Network. Uh, this is a, this has been, you know, a elephant in the room for a while. They have, you know, massive amount of nodes, uh, in terms of user adoption, because specifically because a lot of these, uh, user node boxes, like the umbrals and the Raspi blitzes and stuff were L and D only. I mean, Raspi blitz added C lightning, but most of them are, most of them are L and D only. I'm guilty of it. My nodes are LND. Uh, Marty's nodes are LND. And it's just been simmering for a while. And I think in a lot of ways, it's very productive, even though it's gotten a little bit hostile. It's very productive that it's out there in the open and that they're actually kind of going at each other. Um, this is something that we haven't seen in, in traditional in on-chain Bitcoin because we really do only have... Um, we have this reference implementation of Bitcoin Core, uh, for better or worse. But with Lightning, there was this idea to have multiple implementations. So it should be it should be interesting to see how it plays out. Once again, I am on vacation. This whole thing blew up. I haven't gotten involved with it. I mean, I guess I get just got involved with it by how I paraphrased and talked about it. And maybe I'll get shot on by Lightning people. But the Boz score has always been opaque. This is something we've talked about since the beginning. Um, we've talked about the fact that they're trying to always monetize everything on their end. We've talked about them stonewalling Bolt 12. Um, I don't know. I just, to me, to be quite honest, all respect due to all lightning devs. Uh, and I'm going to stir up this hornet's nest right before we finish. And then I just go chill with my phone off for the next five days. Um, lightning right now is mostly a toy that will not stand up in adversarial environments. And in this world that we live in, we really need to start prioritizing, making it really robust and you know, useful in those types of adversarial environments. Hot take, not a hot take, I agree with that. Maybe I wouldn't call it a toy, but I do think it is unprepared for adversarial. Investment. Yeah, toy was a little bit mean. <laughs> but uh, I guess we'll end it there. Let's go have fun. Let's go enjoy our vacations. Let's go enjoy our friends, our families. Love you, brother. Stay humble, stack sats. Love you. Peace and love. Okay.